0: If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. I want us to begin today a new series of messages, and if the Lord allows, we'll probably be camped right here in the book of Daniel, first uh, six or seven chapters for a number of weeks. Uh, I think this is important, and it's important today because if you haven't noticed, our culture has changed. It has changed and it is changing. Many of the things that we once held as true, as right, as honorable are now simply dismissed as outdated or antiquated, wrong-headed, and our culture's attempt to get smarter it can no longer even define uh, some terms that it could define very easily just a few years ago. Terms such as marriage, parents, girl, boy, freedom, free speech, equal opportunity, love, hate, truth. Our culture has changed so much that. To be honest, we're, we're driven to ask the question, is it even possible to live in this world, to interact with our neighbors and our co-workers, to hold professional accreditations, maybe to be a, a pharmacist, or a teacher, or a medical doctor, or a tenured professor, or a lawyer, a social worker, or a counselor, a financial advisor, is it even possible today to find a spouse to Join the Rotary Club or some other kind of club. Is it even possible today to raise your children according to your own convictions? Is it even possible today to function in this world and at the same time honor the convictions that we see taught to us in Scripture? And if it is possible, then how can we do that? How can we be faithful to God and at the same time live in a culture that has in almost every single way turned its back on what we believe the Bible says is true? Well, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel answers those questions. And I want us to spend these next several Sundays looking at some very interesting stories, some historical accounts from the book of Daniel. And through these accounts, what we're going to see are a group of people who are living in a pagan culture, a godless culture, and people who are seeking to honor God at the same time they function in this this culture. And we're going to learn how they did it, how they did it. So we're in Daniel chapter one. I'll give you a little introduction, and this will cover the first few verses of that chapter. When the book opens, this is about six hundred years before the birth of Christ. And I'm oversimplifying history just a little bit. but the Jewish people had been living in a place, well, the place that we would call Israel today, uh, for the most part. Again, A little bit of simplification here, but the Jews were living in what we call Israel today. Now the Jews knew the Lord, but they weren't living faithfully. And God had, through his prophets, sent these warnings to the Jews that they needed to live according to the principles of God, or God was going to bring judgment upon their land. And God warned them and warned them and warned them, but they refused to obey. So eventually, God allowed the Babylonians, and all of this had been prophesied, God allowed the Babylonians, think modern-day Iraq, God allowed the Babylonians then to invade Israel, simplifying again a little bit, invade Israel, conquer the people, and then bring, take many of those Israelites all the way back to Iraq mostly just the younger ones, or at least the younger ones were uh, the only ones who survived the death march, if you will, across the desert from what we would call Israel to what we would call Iraq. But these young Jewish men, they were brought from Israel to Iraq. They were immersed then in this Babylonian culture. And then just An instant, their entire culture had changed. They had grown up in this Jewish culture, in this God-fearing culture, but now they wake up there in Babylon where they're worshiping these false gods, where the, the morality is different, the ethics are different, truth is different. And so here they are in this brand new culture, and what are they going, what are they going to do? Well, we see, of course, parallels between our situation and their situation. We woke up this morning in a brand new culture. Now, maybe it wasn't as quick a change as those men experienced. And we haven't changed cultures because we've moved to another place. We've changed cultures because a new culture has moved to us. But the same difference. We live today in a different godless culture. No question about it. So let's learn some lessons from these men, these students, if you will. Really, the closest uh, comparison between these men and people today would be high school students or college students. But let's learn, we can all learn from this, let's learn from how these men survived, and in fact flourished in this pagan culture, this godless culture, let's learn how we can do the same. So we're in Daniel chapter 1. I want to read beginning in verse 5. It says, the king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. And so this special group, we don't know how many, a number of young men, they were being prepared to be servants of the king. And a part of this preparation is that during their three years of training, they would receive the same food and the same wine that the king would enjoy. Seems like a perk, right? Now there was a problem, and we don't know, historians, theologians don't know exactly how all this falls out, but the food that the king ate was food that was first sacrificed to one of these pagan gods, one of these Babylonian gods, and then the king would eat it after it was sacrificed to the gods. And so it wasn't just the consummation of food. It wasn't just eating food. It was, it was really worshipping uh, this, uh, this Babylonian god. Verse 6 says, Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now probably the only name there that's very familiar to you is Daniel, but the others should be. Uh, Verse seven says, the chief eunuch gave them names, new names. So here are names you're familiar with. He gave the name Belt-Shazzar to Daniel. That may not be one you're familiar with. Uh, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. So that's where we get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, when we get to Daniel chapter three, and that's the chapter everybody knows in the book of Daniel, uh, they're referred to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so that's what stuck. But their original names uh, were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, what was going on? So they changed their diet, they changed their names. What were the Babylonians seeking to do? Well, they were seeking to just rewrite their cultural identification. It it was in a sense a form of brainwashing. They changed their diet, they changed their education, we'll see that in a moment, and we'll see that more next week. And when they changed their names, this wasn't just a nickname, This said something about their relationship to God. Let me go through a little bit of the etymology of the names. Daniel, uh, in Hebrew, means God is my judge. God, the God, the God we serve and worship. God is my judge. But Belshazzar, the name they changed him to, means Bel protects the king. Bel was one of the Babylonian gods, so they gave him a a name that came from a Babylonian God. And so Hananiah means the Lord, our Lord is gracious, but they gave him the name Shadrach, which means the command of Aku, which is another Babylonian God. Mishael means who is like the Lord, but he was given the name Meshach, who is what a coup is? All these are Babylonian uh, religious names. Azariah uh, meant uh, to the Jews, the Lord is my helper. He was given the name Abednego, which means the servant of Nego. Nego was an uh, agricultural god with a little g uh, with the Babylonians. And so, There was real brainwashing going on. They changed their diet, their education, they changed their their names. Look at verse 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. And so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. Now there is a little mystery here exactly why, and I mentioned this a moment ago, I believe, exactly why they were not to eat the food probably because it had been sacrificed to these Babylonian gods. But whatever the reason was, uh, Daniel, uh, led by the Lord, drew a line and said, we'll not eat that food. We'll not eat that food. Uh, There is evidence later in the book of Daniel that he did eat that kind of food. So it wasn't uh, some prohibition against eating meat, uh, thankfully. Uh, this, uh, this simply was a prohibition against eating the king's food there. And so uh, it says in verse 8, and I think this may be one of the most important words in chapter 1. It says, Daniel determined. That means he made a decision. That means he considered the options. He did pros and cons, and he determined he was not going to compromise. Now, let me say a word to our students this morning. Daniel was a young man, high school student, college student, and he became a remarkable servant of God because at a young age, he determined. He he drew a line in the sand. He said, I will not be a man who compromises. And if you want to look at the greatness of Daniel, I think it all goes back to that one word, second word in verse eight, Daniel determined. Students, there needs to be a time in your life when you say to the Lord, I determine to live for you. So Daniel now and his three friends Uh, They're in an impossible situation. You see, the king of Babylon had no qualms with just having someone executed if they didn't do what they were told to do. We'll see that a little later uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, He was a bloodthirsty, ruthless man, and he had commanded this. And so for them to refuse to do what the king had commanded, Really, the only question was, they would compromise or die. That's the holy option. Compromise or die. Compromise or die. And Daniel said, I determined. And we're going to come back to that. But I want you to see that, I want you to remember, a little later in the message, that when Daniel was in the impossible situation, when it seemed the only two choices— where compromise and die, he refused to compromise. But now there's something very interesting here in verse 8 that I don't have time for, but I gotta point it out, and I, 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 we're gonna come back to it in the next few weeks and, and hopefully next week. It says at the beginning of verse 8, Daniel determined, but then notice the next verb, uh, the next sentence says, So he asked permission. Uh, from the chief eunuch. So he determined, but he didn't, there was no protest. He didn't stand up and say, uh, I, uh, I refuse to do what the king said. I, I stand against the might of the king. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. He, he took a little softer tack. Now he had determined and he wasn't going to compromise that, but then he goes and he asks a question. And and there is some real wisdom there about how to succeed in life, right? And how to be a leader. Daniel was one of the greatest leaders in all the the Old Testament. And I think the leadership lessons we learn are some of these in-between-the-lines things we see. And one of them is right here. I'm going to show you another one, and then next week we'll capitalize on it. But here he determined, but instead of then just standing up and beating on the desk... He then asked permission. We'll come back to that. Look at verse nine. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Uh, now this is an unexpected turn of events. Uh, the chief eunuch, uh, he was the taskmaster. He was the, he was the one running the show, uh, mean and angry and making sure everybody told the line. Uh, but. Now there's some kindness and some compassion, but it's important to notice here in verse nine. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read it again. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. It doesn't say the chief eunuch was kind and compassionate, does it? What does it say? God granted kindness and compassion through the chief eunuch. Who's in charge of the situation? God's in charge. God's in charge. We'll come back to that. Look at verse 10. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who assigned you food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men of your age? You would endanger my life with the king. He said, I can't help you because if you don't do what you're supposed to do and you look thinner because you didn't eat the good stuff, then I'm the one that's going to lose his head. Verse 11 Daniel is so wise. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then examine, verse 13, examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He said, Let's, let's just do a little test. For 10 days, we'll eat our stuff. They can eat their stuff. We'll just see. We'll just see. Uh, Again, I really want to stop and preach on this. There's some wisdom there. Do you see some leadership? Those of you who lead organizations or companies or people or families or or your friends, uh, Daniel, well, that's next week. (laughs) Look at verse 14. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Uh, Now, uh, it's interesting that uh, there is this popular fad today that has come from this passage. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know the name Chris Pratt? I didn't. He's an actor. I don't know. Some actor. Sitcom actor, I think. Well, he revealed that he remains slim. This was just a few years ago. I had to look this up. He remains slim because he uses the Daniel diet and the Daniel fast. And since then, well, now there are a bunch of books you can get. The Daniel diet. How to, how to be slender using the Daniel diet. Now, two things. This isn't a diet sermon, but two things to note here. First of all, the Daniel diet didn't make Daniel skinny. It made Daniel fat, okay? Uh, you, you don't see it as, as, as well here in the version that we're reading, but let me just read verse 15 from a more literal translation of the Bible. It says at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter than all the youth who ate the king's stuff. So first of all, the Daniel diet doesn't make you skinny. It makes you fat. (laughs) The second thing about the Daniel diet is that the whole point of this was not that it was nutritious and so they were healthy because of a nutritious diet. The whole point was they ate a deficient diet and the Lord came through for them. So I'm not giving you eating advice. I'm just saying uh, don't turn to, what's the guy's name? Chris Pratt for advice on the Bible or uh, the food that you you eat. Now, uh, well, let's just continue reading. Verse 17, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. Uh, At the end of the time, the king had... Said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. So now they're standing before the the king. Verse 19 the king interviewed them, and among all, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. You know, it's a lift for the Lord, uh, especially today, just as it was true in Daniel's day, is often a counter cultural exercise. Uh, Daniel uh, and his three friends had to make a decision if they were going to compromise and uh, fit in to their new culture or if they were going to be faithful to God. It was an either-or choice. Now, we're going to be talking about this choice for weeks, if the Lord allows, because it's uh, addressed over and over in the book of Daniel, and there's so many Helpful things to learn here, uh, but let's let's today just look back at these verses. And, and this will be brief, hopefully. But I want to give you three quick lessons that we learn from these verses that help us to understand. In the beginning, here is what we do when we are living in a culture uh, contrary uh, to. Um, well, to a culture that would honor God. And and let me say before we get to these three, uh, our church, we're blessed with um, people of all ages and all stations of life. And um, we've got a a full house here in the celebration service. I was just over in our summit service a moment ago. So many students this morning, full house over there as well. God's so kind to our church. Uh, But those of us who are older, and I'll let you decide where that number is. It's uh, generally two years beyond my age, whatever that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a number that changes. But um, those of us who are older need to recognize that as much as this is, this is true for us, that we live in a countercultural situation, it is way more true. For those who are younger. For our college students, and for so many who are brand new on campus this week, it is really countercultural. They are about to face some things and experience some things uh, that they may not have ever thought about before. And as difficult as it is to be, uh, I don't even know how old I am, 56 year old man. I think, give or take a decade, Um, as difficult as it is to be an advanced middle-ager in a uh, seeking to be faithful to God in this culture, it is much harder for my kids and for your kids and for your grandkids, and we should pray for them and their strength. So here's some lessons we learned from what we've read. Number one, you won't stand for the Lord in hard times unless you have first stood for the Lord in easy times. You will not, you will not stand for the Lord in hard times until and unless you have first stood for the Lord in easy times. Now what's interesting about Daniel this godly man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these godly men, is that they would have stood out. They would have been unusual, not just there in Iraq, in Babylon, they would have been unusual even back in Jerusalem, right? Because Israel had turned its back on God many, many years prior to this, these men, their commitment to God, their fidelity in their relationship with the Lord, This was something that was unusual, not just in Babylon, but even back amongst their their people. It would would have had to have been, because the people had strayed so so far. But these were men who learned to be faithful to God, to, to be standout men for the Lord when it was easy. And then when it becomes hard, it continues. Now, I want to describe a spirituality. I want to describe a false courage that is so common, but it is so, well, it's just not real. People say, or maybe we wouldn't say it out loud, people think, I know I know I'm not walking closely with the Lord. I'm not walking as faithfully and as obediently as I should. But if things get critical, I'll take a stand. No question about it. I mean where the when the rubber meets the road, I'll be a man of courage. I'll be a man who is faithful to God. I mean, if the the pressure is on, I'll be the obedient one. I will be faithful. If I had to take a stand for Christ or lose my job, I would stand for Christ. If I had to take a stand for Christ in my friend group or lose my friends, I would stand for Christ. If I had to take a stand For Christ on some great moral issue then I would stand. No, you wouldn't. Listen, if you won't stand for Christ in the easy times, then you would not stand for Christ in the hard times. Let's not fool ourselves if we can't stand for God when it's easy to stand for God, if we can't be faithful when it's easy to be faithful, if we can't be generous when it's easy to be generous, if we can't be a part of worship in church when it's easy to be a part of worship in church, if we can't share faith when it's easy to share faith, we won't do any of that when it's hard. And we, listen, we're all guilty of this and I'm at the head of the class. I'm so guilty of this. We imagine that we would be so much stronger, so much more committed, so much more faithful if we had to be. But the truth is, whatever our spirituality is today, when it's easier, that's what it'll be. That's what it'll be when it's hard. We'll say, well, if I had, if I were diagnosed with cancer, I would I would trust the Lord then if I lost my job I would trust the Lord then if I I, uh, had some hardship I would trust the Lord however much you trust the Lord when it's easy that's how much you'll trust the Lord when it's hard so Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they didn't rise to the occasion people don't rise to the occasion very often, not in a spiritual moral sense. These would have been men who would have been exceptions even in Israel, even in Israel. Listen to how Jesus said it, if anyone wants to follow after me, Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to follow after me, do you know the rest of this? Let him deny himself. That means put me first, self second. Let him deny himself, take up his cross. That means to be willing to make a sacrifice. What's the next word? Anybody know? Daily, daily. Uh, You missed a word. And see, uh, maybe you didn't miss it, but I heard a lot of people say, follow me. (laughs) But that's not what it is. I'm sure the summit service, everybody got it right. But uh, summit, here in the celebration, some people got it wrong. It doesn't say, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. No, it says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him take up, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, daily. See, it's, it's not the kind of Christian we will be when, when life is hard. It's the kind of Christian we will be today. We will be today. I hear people say, well, if the government ever told me I couldn't share the gospel, I'd show them, I'd share it with everybody I saw. No, you wouldn't. You're not sharing it now. (laughs) Well, if the government, no. If we won't be faithful when it's easy, we won't be faithful when it's hard. Principle number two I see here, godly faith looks for reasons to honor God instead of reasons to stray We have a godly faith. It's going to look for reasons just to be obedient. Maybe I'm revealing too much about my own sinful heart, but as I studied this uh, account, I I thought of some good excuses for Daniel. (laughs) That probably says something terrible about me, doesn't it? But I could have helped Daniel out. I thought of... Well, I didn't number them. I think I got a half dozen excuses here. That would have been perfectly fine excuses for Daniel. He could have said the king's food's pretty good. And you know, I bet it was. And really God's given me desires. I got to follow my heart. If the king's eating filet mignon, got to follow my heart. So many times we make decisions because we will say God's given me a desire for that, and God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Is it God for joy? So, excuse number one: the king's food's really good. God wouldn't want me to deny myself of that. So, suggestion number two for Daniel: we're a long way from home. Nobody's gonna know. I mean, there. 800 miles from home. 800 miles when to get from one place to the other, you had to walk through a desert. Uh, Yeah, mama's never going to know. The rabbi back in Israel, he's never going to know. How many people have sinned because you were convinced nobody's ever going to know? You know what? Maybe you're right. See, that's a good excuse. I could have helped Daniel out there. Number three, God had not come through for us, and he did not rescue us in the exile and the death march to Iraq. (laughs) So don't you know that when the Babylonians attacked, don't you know that Daniel, Chad, Meshach, and Abednego must have prayed, God, save us, God, save us, God, save us. And you know what? God didn't. And then they were running trying not to get captured and and they must have been praying, God save me, God save me, and God didn't. And then they get marched across the desert. Uh, Probably most of the people that started the journey died before they finished it. They get marched 800 miles across the desert. Don't you know they prayed every day, God free me from this? And God didn't help them at all. And they could have been bitter. God, I'm not going to be obedient to you and skip a steak meal because you hadn't done anything for me. That's another good reason, right? Uh, Scary how good we are, (laughs) how good we are at thinking of reasons to sin. They could have just said, you know, everyone else is eating the food. And they were Uh, apparently only four of all these Israelites. I don't know how many there were. Only four refused. The others were fine with it. So everybody else is doing it. Uh, They could have said, you know, all the really smart, powerful, wealthy people are eating the food. It is the end thing to do. They could have said the culture, the culture's changed. And so things that used to be wrong, that was an old culture. They're not wrong anymore. I hear people say that all the time, especially about some of the issues of the day that, well, you've got to understand... Pastor, that, that your, your understanding of right and wrong, that came from a different culture. Or they could have just said, our lives are at risk. I'm not going to risk my life over whether I eat uh, a piece of meat that somebody prayed over to some pagan god or not. But see, godly faith doesn't look for reasons to stray. Godly faith looks for reasons to be faithful. You know, sometimes life is just hard. Sometimes our desires and our enjoyments are corrupted. Sometimes to stand with God is to stand opposed to the culture. Sometimes we have to make a sacrifice. You may not get that promotion. You may not get that job. You may not be in that circle. You may not be accepted by those people. But God's, a a, a godly faith, looks for reasons to honor God. I think what Daniel thought is God is worthy of us doing this, to be obedient to him. Whether anybody knows, whether mama ever finds out or not, whether everybody else is doing it or not, even if it's going to cost us our heads. God's worthy. I wonder if David thought, not only is God worthy, but God loves me. Not only does God love me, but God is with me. See, godly faith looks for reasons to be be obedient. And then the third thing, trusting God means giving God an opportunity to work. And I think this is the most important thing I'm going to say today. And, And it also is really an introduction to what we'll talk about for, for weeks as we go through this, if we go back to the story, uh, back into this story, this historical account, to the point where it seemed like there were no good choices. Do you remember? I think it's back in verse 8, uh, where the, the only choice it seemed that Daniel and his friends had was to compromise or die. Compromise or die. Compromise or die. Now, a lot of, a lot of us have been there. A lot of you have been there. Now, I've never had my life endangered and and, and, and likely you haven't in this sense either. But but, but there are just times, it seems, when we get in these situations where we either compromise or we're going to pay a great price. It's either compromise or consequences. And the consequences may be dire. I've heard people say that they've been faced with the situation that you either sign this document agreeing to these moral definitions, or you can't be a public school teacher. I've heard people in some school systems say that. You either sell this product or you can't work here. You either set aside your convictions or you're out. You either compromise or you leave. I've heard people say if I don't do such and such, I'll lose my marriage. If I don't compromise this issue, I'll lose my kids. If I am faithful in my giving, I'll not have enough money to pay my bills. If I commit to this, then I will pay too dear a price for that. See, we get in these situations where it seems like they're only bad choices. Daniel and his friends compromise Or die. So what does Daniel do? This is so important. Listen. Daniel gives God a chance to work. Daniel could have bailed. He could have said, God doesn't want us to die, friends. Let's let's just give in. No, he said, you know, God may. Let's see what God would do. And what did God do? Verse 9, God granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. That's a miracle. The only reason they saw that miracle is they gave God a chance to do it. You see, most of us never see anything like that because we don't ever give God a chance. We compromise. And then God never comes through. And and we think, well, God does not ever provide for me. Well, God didn't need to provide for you. You already compromised. Provided it for yourself. What if we just said, if the choice is to compromise or die, I'm going to choose die and give God a chance. I'm going to give God a chance to do something. If it's compromise or quit. If it's compromise or get fired. If it's compromise or my kids don't talk to me again. If it's compromise or I lose my marriage. Why don't I just give God a chance? And they did. And God did. God may not always. God may accomplish his will through the disaster. Okay? But God certainly can't provide the miracle if we compromise before giving him a chance. And let me just show you one more thing. You know, the whole story of the Bible is a story about Jesus. And um, Daniel is no exception. This is not just some moral tale that we're going to draw some, uh, some, some principles from through the, through the weeks. No, it's a story about Jesus. And I'm going to show that to you throughout this uh, series. But, but let me just show you in one way here. Daniel and his friends were thrust into this unfriendly, pagan culture, right? So was Jesus. Jesus left heaven and came to earth, a place filled with sin and hardship where people were angry at him and sought his harm. Daniel and his friends were tempted to conform to the world, the culture that they were in. So was Jesus. It's interesting, they were both tempted with food, right? If you know that story in Matthew 4. David, I'm sorry, Daniel and his friends faced down Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians. Jesus faced down Satan, the accuser of man. Daniel and his friends proved faithful even when Israel had not. Jesus proved faithful and then paid the penalty for the sins of those who didn't prove faithful. And the reason that we can gather here today and worship God and know with such confidence that we're children of God, forgiven of all of our sin and guarded safe in the hands of God is because Jesus lived that sinless life and then he died to pay the penalty for all of us who didn't live the sinless life. And so for me there was a time years ago when I finally recognized that my only hope in eternity was that somebody would pay for my sins. And that somebody was Jesus and he already had. And I trusted Jesus then that what he did for me was enough. And I asked him to forgive my sins and I surrendered my life to him. And God adopted me into his family, and he's still changing my life every day. So the the beauty of of Daniel chapter 1 is not that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego proved faithful. The beauty is that Christ is the greater Daniel, the greater Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach, I get them mixed up. Christ is the one. None of, us are, uh, none of us are followers of Daniel. But if we'll be followers of Christ, the one who paid the penalty for our sins, that's, that's the difference we need. Head bowed, eyes closed in both rooms. I want to pray for us. And then we'll stand and sing in both rooms. And there will be ministers at the front to help you if you'd like to make a decision. Uh, Today, or just have somebody encourage you with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for the example of Daniel and his friends. Thank you for the work of Christ that was portrayed um, in advance there. Father, I pray that that we will be people who will stand, even in a pagan culture, godless culture, I should say that we will stand for you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.